Thank you, worship team, for that. Always so blessed to have uh, gifted people and talented people use your gifts for the Lord, um, like singing and playing. So thank you, Karina, for that. Hey, Calvary students, we are continuing our series in the book of Ephesians. And today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Quick recap, we talked about how in Acts, we read in our first week back how the church started in the book of Acts. And that's where Paul spent a lot of his time and how he came back and kind of did a farewell to uh, the people of Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. Uh, But then he said, I'm going to write a letter to the church of Ephesus because I love them so much. And that's how we get to the book of Ephesians. Okay, it's in the New Testament. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to continue to see what Paul is trying to say to his brothers and sisters in Christ in Ephesus. Now remember, the people that he's writing to are already people that have believed in the gospel. They're people that have already given their life to Jesus, right? And what he's doing is he's writing them to encourage them, but to also uh, remind them of what God has done for them. Last week, we kind of really emphasized the power of Jesus, right? And how powerful he was. And I love that Paul continues to emphasize specifically Jesus and what he's done. Um, and so bef- but before we get into chapter two, has anybody seen the show Fixer Upper? Anybody like where they like take old things and make a new like specifically houses, right? I love transformation like videos. Like I love seeing people just completely like transform things like an old house into like something really beautiful. And I actually have a a quick clip that I want to show you of what I'm talking about. You see, as you can see here, this is the before photo. And you can see that it's like nasty and ugly, right? Hopefully, uh, you know, it's going to get better for this house, and I'm, I promise you it is. Just give me a second. But you can see that it's just terrible, right? It's an ugly house. But then look what happens after, right? What was once worthless, probably bought it for like 50000 is now worth like 200000 And it's beautiful. It's transformed. And God willing, one day you'll be able to have a home like this, right? Um, but I love transformation and the idea of what happens when you take old broken things and make them new. And Paul's reminding us in Ephesians that this is how we should view our old life and our new life. For those of us who have believed in Jesus, at the end of chapter one, he's talking about Jesus' power, but now he's transitioning into what the power of Jesus has done for our lives. So if you read with me in verses one through six, I'm going to read this. And then we'll break it down and we'll be done in the next 10 minutes, I promise. So it says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too, all of us, previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as those others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want to do. On your table, you'll, you'll see that you have a bulletin there. And on the back of that bulletin, you're going to see a T-chart. And so we're going we're gonna to do this together. We're going to go 
and we're going to fill in the different spaces of this T-chart because what we see that Paul is doing is he's putting people in two specific categories, okay? Two specific categories. Again, he's saying that they were once in a specific category, but now they're in a new category. And so one of the categories that he talks about is an old life, okay? It's an old life, and specifically, that life was before Jesus. So before Jesus, there were distinctive things about them, right, that reflected who they were and what they were heading towards in their old life before Jesus. Very quickly, the first thing that we see, before Jesus, we were dead. That's the first thing that Paul says here in chapter 2. Before Jesus, we were dead. And it might, it might be on the screen. Yeah, there you go. Dead. <laughs> Boom. Fatal. Out. Verse 1. It's right there, plain and simple. Before Christ, we were dead in our sins. But this is not talking about physically dead. Okay? Obviously, these people were alive in the physical sense. But it's talking about spiritually. And here is what I want to share with you and hopefully uh, persuade you of is that your spiritual life is the most important part of your life. And I'll tell you why. One of these days, our bodies, well, actually, it's doing it right now. It's going to deteriorate, right? If you eat really unhealthy, it'll deteriorate faster, right? If you uh, don't take care of yourself. But at the end of the day, every single human body is going to die, okay? It is gone. It won't exist anymore. It'll go back to dust, the way that we were first created, right, in the creation story, when God made Adam out of the dust. But the spiritual life, right, spiritually speaking, is what's going to live on forever, okay? That's what's going to last forever. And he's saying that most of us, everyone before Jesus, actually, everyone was spiritually dead, and that means that the stakes are really high. But why are the stakes really high? Because it means that if our spiritual lives last forever, then that means what happens after we die physically. There's something that's going to happen. Number two, we were enslaved. Verse three says it barely, very clearly that we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. In other words, we were trapped by the things that we so desperately wanted that were ultimately pushing us away from Jesus. That we were literally slaves to our sin. A lot of the sin, let's bring it to our context today, right? We're all younger. I consider myself still young and I love technology. But if we're being honest, and we look back, and we've said this before, but I, I want to continue to keep challenging you to go look at how much time was spent on your devices. And then go look and see what was spent searching or looking at specific things. And I promise you that 90%, and this is just, you know, common sense, 90% of what the world is giving you, actually 100% of what the world is giving you because you know, I want to be nice and think that you're also like watching sermons and stuff, but I got to be real with myself. So 100% of what the world is giving you are complete lies. And there are things that continue to trap you into your sin. And then number three, that means that we were objects of wrath. 
We were objects of wrath. Verse 3 continues after he talks about how we were enslaved, that we were also by nature, okay, by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Children under wrath. Now, that can sound kind of scary. And sometimes when you hear the word wrath, it makes you want to be like, what? This is, no, like, no, how can this be? Well, let me just paint you a picture really quick. And I want you to imagine with me this, okay? As I said earlier today, it's February, right? It's the first day of February. And it's the month of love, okay? It's, it's Valentine's. So I want, to, I want you to imagine um, that somehow, finally, you're with the love of your life, right? Just imagine for a second, and, and everything's amazing, and, and you just love each other so much. Maybe you have a couple kids. Maybe you are on the beach. Maybe you're on a family trip. And you're just, man, you're just so happy, right? Because you you're with the people. You're with the, the love of your life, the loves of your life. You're with them and you're enjoying your time. But now imagine that and you had to do something in order to continue to be with them. Or if you didn't, that you would be separated from them forever. And you had to make a decision right then and there. Now, if you really truly loved, if you really were so emotionally attached and understood how much you loved this person, I'm assuming that you would do whatever it takes so that you, would, you wouldn't be separated forever from this person. And that is the reality of this life, though, when it comes to Jesus. See, the only person that's going to love you the best is Jesus. And at the end of our lives, we will stand before God, who is the judge. And because he's so holy right, and righteous, it's literally impossible for anything that's unjust or evil to be around him. Like it's literally, like it cannot happen, right? And those that die physically, that are also spiritually dead, remain spiritually dead, which means that they remain under the wrath of God, which simply means that they will be separated from God forever. The person that loves you the most, does not want to be separated from you forever. In fact, he did something so amazing in order to prevent that you would be separated from him forever. And this is where the new life comes. So if you go to the second half of your T-chart, we're going to talk about after Jesus. Okay, after Jesus, number one, we are alive. That's in verse five. If you go and are highlighting, verse five says, made us alive. That's the first thing that happens after Jesus. No longer spiritually dead. What does it mean to be alive? It means that for the first time you experience the fullness of God's love and that now one day you can look forward and you don't have to worry about ever being separated forever from him. It means that the God of the universe who has created everything, including yourself, has now made you his son and daughter. Now, I want to debunk something really quick for y'all. A lot of people think that we're all God's children. You may hear that once in a while. You may hear people say, oh, but we're all God's children. But if we look at, this ver at these verses, you want to say we're children of something, then yes, but there's two different children. There's children of wrath and children of God, which means that we are in a specific category because we are not all God's children. 
That's the fact. We are all his creation. We have all been created by God and we will all bend the knee and we will all glorify God one day. But we are not all God's children. The ones that are God's children are the ones that have believed in Jesus and have seen and believed that he has died and risen again for your sins and made you alive. And after he makes you alive, he also makes you an heir. He seats you next to him while he's reigning in his kingdom. We are now enthroned. While once we were enslaved, we are now enthroned. You are literally royalty. Like, think about that. Like, Jesus allows you to sit next to him and rule with him. Like, that's, that's unbelievable. And lastly, we are objects of grace, undeserving love. Grace is something that sometimes we don't comprehend. Grace is something that we can't earn. Grace is something that we can't work towards. Grace is freely given. So how? How does this come to happen? How is this possible that we can come from old life to new life, right? Verse five ends like this. It says that he made us alive with Christ. That is how. With Christ, in Christ. What did Jesus do? Jesus had to die. Jesus, fully man, fully God, had to die on the cross for your sins. Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. That that's what it cost for you to become even a possibility of being a child of God. But then the question is, well, why did he do this? Why did he do this? And if you look again in verse four, it says this, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. So how did he do it? In Christ. And why did he do it? Because he is merciful and because he has so much love for us. So my question for you today that you, you're going to have to answer today is where do you see yourself right now? Which side of the chart reflects your life most right now? Because let me tell you something. Jesus is calling you today to be saved, to know him fully, to be made alive, to be forgiven, to be made new, to be made royalty, to have a seat next to him on the throne. Plain and simple. All we did was go to Ephesians chapter two, verses one through six, and we dissected it, and we got all of this powerful truth that we have to do something with. We had a lot of truth today, and I, I know I went a little fast, but I want you to make sure that you have time in your groups to discuss what we talked about, because Again, the truth is this. You're either under children of wrath or children of God, but God has already paved a way for you to become made alive, and that's in Christ. And for some of you, you don't know that, you haven't made that decision, and you can make that decision today. I want to shout out um, one of our students, uh, Julian. Last week, he, he was sharing with us how he had a friend who's an atheist, or he has a friend who's an atheist. Uh, Julian, you mind raising your hand real quick? That's Julian. Shout out to Julian. And he told me last week as we were asking for prayer requests, he said, hey, can you, can you pray for me? Because I, I want to continue to share with my friend who's an atheist. And I said, well, what have you shared with him? I said, well, you know, I did the three circles with him. 
And I shared with him about how God created a perfect world, but now that we live in a broken world, but he also made a way through Jesus to be saved. And I just really want to continue to share with him about how much God has like a purpose in his life and what it means to follow Jesus. And, and he's an atheist, right? But the beautiful thing is that we are seeing God move in our students. And I want us to hold on to that and to be inspired and to see like, man, there are people that don't know Jesus. Okay, I'm not assuming everyone in here has given their life, but I know a lot of us in this room have. And I want us to continue to be Calvary student ministry that seeks the lost and that shares the gospel with the world. Where are you today? Which side of the chart do you reflect most? And how are you going to respond to that? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for tonight. I pray that ultimately you were glorified and that as we read some, some heavy truths in your word today, that they would stick, that they would also wake us up, that they would open our eyes to the reality that we will not be here forever physically, but spiritually that we will live on forever. And I pray that we would desire to live forever with you. And whatever needs to happen, Lord, may you do it so that we would come to repent and believe in the good news of Jesus that loves us so much that it was willing to die, but didn't stay dead, resurrected and proved himself to be God, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And so we put all these things in your hand. So your name we pray, amen.